Hello and welcome to another Not Chili podcast. Here today, you're going to be listening to two fine people. One is myself and the other is Josh Lundberg. We're going to be talking about the film The Mummy, not the, the, the original Mummy film. The one that with Brendan Fraser and the one that's actually a ball of laughs and not just a kind of an awkward and not so eventful film with Tom Cruise. So, yeah, I mean, what do we get into? I, I Normally, Josh and I kind of start to find something really weird about a film or like really obscure, whether it be something to do with the director or something to do with their past. But this time, it actually was pretty much just a conversation about the film and it didn't really deviate too much. Uh, we... It's just one of those movies. It's you just got to enjoy it, and that's kind of like the basic part of this whole. You know, I guess you could even call that a review, whatever it is. It's just that we just had a good time watching it, and we just explained what we felt and what we felt about having a good time, what that meant to us in this particular kind of context. So, enjoy. I hope you have a good time listening to this, and yeah, let me know if there's anything in particular you want us to cover. All right, bye. It's effectively used and it's exclusively used for storytelling. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing, there's no, oh, and then there's that CG shot. It's just they use the CG to make the story work, which the, sto- the story wouldn't work without the CG. Oh, no. That's the type of film that it is. Whereas it's like, it's not like massive explosions and starter stories and stuff like that. It's like they've used it to tell a tiny, tiny story. Okay. Well, that's not the movie we're talking about. <laughs> oh, you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, thanks a lot for, you know, di- not going into the point <laughs> and ruining this podcast already. <laughs> you know, because I didn't tell you that we we're rolling. Yeah, you did a Clint been. Eastwood there. That's yeah. Uh... I always do a Clint Eastwood. One time, I was... This is actually one I did recently with Tom... I like rolled and then I like I had to get something in the other room. I was like, oh, I'll grab a drink or something. And I went across and I'm like, it'd be weird coming back and being like, like seeing the waveform and be like, what did Tom say while I was outside the room? <laughs> did he leave me a secret message? It wasn't. It was blank and a bit of a... <clears throat> I was like, he was typing on the keyboard. I'm like, man, you could have left me a cool message. Be like, <laughs> I think he even knew it was rolling too. What a jerk. Yeah. How boring. Yeah. I hate Tom. Oh my god, we have a whole hate speech against you too. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I, 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 I cut it out and I, I'm going to send it to you separately. What did I do? Nothing. That was the whole point. <laughs> it's, like, it's only funny because it didn't do anything. Like, it wouldn't be funny if like... It was just terribly hurtful. It was just like, we hate that, we, how much we hate you. Mm. And then we're just... It was like, a test to see if I listen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, all the music no message from me. It's either passive aggressive or I didn't listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Good oh, maybe, maybe I will leave it Think in there. Think about it. Shit. Um, <laughs> what I might do, other than cut this little bit out, I might. Could you put the microphone? M- mimic my one. As in, be like your microphone, or yeah. make my microphone like. A bit more like that. Uh, yeah, that's what you want it. Actually, yeah. that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it. Leave it like that. I mean, maybe if you want for you your... to brush your dead cats. Oh, they probably stink. I'm just going to do this. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, whoops. There we go. Yeah, it's all good. Um, All right, so we're talking about The Mummy. Yeah. A movie, a really recent film, which it actually is technically, <laughs> and not the one that um that we watched. Yeah, it's a lovely 19 years old. 19? Shit. 
This is just um, the the whole thing about age. <laughs> I, I think it actually has been so long since I'd seen that movie where it had literally escaped my memory. I'd, I... It's so funny because I actually haven't seen it very many times, but I think... Um, it, it 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 had quite a stamp for some reason. I mean, like I told you before, like the first time I watched it when I was a kid, I was like, eh. like Indiana Jones wannabe, whatever. Yeah, of course, National then, Treasure, Treasure wannabe. <laughs> might might <coughs> might be the other way around. I uh, know, yes, maybe. But um, yeah. So uh, I did, I wasn't crazy about it, and then um, I must have watched it quite a few times, like years later. Uh, but I've only watched it once since I got it on Blu-ray. Mm. Um, How'd you buy it on Blu-ray? Uh, for the same reason we watched it today. It's like, it's just so silly. Mm-hmm. It's so just like, ah, and enjoy. There's just no, it's not trying to be something other than exactly what it is. And it's such an enjoyable film. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, of another movie I've seen that was very similar in that respect. Um, I'm going to turn this up. Uh, don't know what it was. What was it? Fuck. There's a movie that... Oh, you know what? It's like almost like True Lies, but in, a, oh, yeah. in this genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, uh, it, it's really... It's almost a satire of Indiana Jones in itself. Even though Indiana Jones is kind of funny and it kind of... I don't know. It doesn't satire itself because it kind of was its own. Um, yeah. Indiana Jones is more like they wanted to extend upon, you know, adventure movies from the 30s kind of thing. What George Lucas has always wanted to so, oh really? So, I, want, I want to make movies from the thirties. <laughs> well, so did that? Like, I thought that it was the kind of first in, in its thing. Um, in 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 the style that it it uh, it is in, yeah. Oh, okay. What was it before then? Um, do you know? I mean, you don't have to actually know the answer. To I'm trying to remember the films that it references, but it's it, just sort of more old school filmmaking um and i think a lot of again like with star wars like a lot of serials that i would never have seen um so like you'd go to the cinema and before the film started uh, they'd show yeah. like a 10 minute thing 15 minute like thing. what pixar does with this yeah 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 and so they had all these like different ones that they had on there um that's always been my understanding of indiana jones um was that that's what they wanted to do wanted to return to that style of thing but um yeah, this one is India. Indiana Jones like hits um, a very different. The characters are just so different that I think it's really difficult to compare. It no, you so, can't. Other than you know, like they're adventure. hunting and yeah. they're having an adventure, and you have you know, you save the lady who's you know fragile and yeah, and all that stuff. Like in Indiana Jones, his entire thing is like it belongs in a museum. He's a he's someone who believes in doing the right thing with these things, mm. as opposed to um, Brendan Fraser's <clears throat> character, whatever his name was, Subway G. Yeah, um, O'Connell. O'Connell, yeah. and um, that's the G. Yeah, Go Connell, and um, <laughs> yeah, and so that's the thing. Like when when I first watched it when I was a kid, I was like Indiana Jones comparison, but now when I watch it, I don't quite seriously. I don't even think of Indiana Jones when I'm watching it. It's just they're just so different and um i think that's why it's so fun and silly in in a different way to how indiana jones is um Mm. because indiana jones likes to hit really really dark notes in all three movies they hit really really dark 
things in the first and third movies. It's like a lot of the Nazi stuff. And in the second, I mean, the second movie is like, like really screwy. <laughs> it's really messed up, but it's certainly more serious. Uh, totally. I yeah. Mean, this is so tongue in cheek. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, we, we should probably just fo- follow our formula, right? Go like, let's go technical and then branch into mm. to uh, like performance and stuff like that. So technically speaking, I mean, one of the big topics here is the CGI, which is outdated, but still really like, have you, you obviously you've played that game. Um, it's not Sam I am, is it? The Sa- uh, Serious Sam. Oh yeah, Serious Sam. Yeah, it reminds me of that game a little bit where it's like, <laughs> you play the first one and you go, this looks pretty good considering. Mm. You know, it's it's obviously like, it's it's not, not first generation CGI, but it's like, I feel like the CGI in this particular film uh, is like an era of where they went, oh, hold on, CGI can't, it's not just this extra thing. We can do anything we want. Um, yet they still didn't, it didn't look good enough to, to stand the test of time, but it was still kind of like, uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think cause this, this is around the same time the matrix came out, which also had a, a like, you know, CGI-ness and well, obviously like two, well, it wasn't even massive CGI in, in the first matrix movie. Oh yeah. I mean, there would have been a lot of it, but I don't Honestly, think that it relied upon as uh, much it, as d- it does for the real world stuff. Oh yeah, that's like true. all the like the Sentinels and stuff. They have, oh, they've not God. they've not stand to well. the test. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And it, but like I mean, the thing is, like uh, an, an, another film that is a few years older than this one, two three years older, mm-hmm. um, like Independence Day, right? Mm-hmm. That primarily is to do with compositing as opposed to CGI. They mostly went with models and stuff. But it's that thing of people like figuring out how to do all their two D compositing, and that's that's the stuff in this that actually has taken a step up and then the actual uh, 3D rendered images are um, uh, 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 not as strong yet. And yeah. it, and it's that thing of like... Um, well, it's What is it? What would it be? Processing power and computer power? Because like imagine every line that has to be added to each particular frame would be a much bigger deal in that time. It in comes 1999, down, it comes down to so many things. Like people weren't learning, people weren't um, changing the way that they were making film in order to uh, allow for what they were doing with the CG, and that's why you see a disparity. It's like there'll be a scene that's lit better for CG in that film, right? Yeah. Like the I think the first time that you see the mummy when it's sort of in that dark bluish light. Um, there's a couple of bits where it's like, wow, that looks almost like an animatronic. And then mm. in other scenes, it's just not where it's soft lighting. You know, there's no hard lighting in the scene. Um, it's not as good. And it's because that shadowy, that that sort of cloudy day look, you know, where there's no hard shadows. Mm. There's a great thing that um, uh, Neil Blomkamp the director of District 9 mm. uh, and Elysium and Chappie and apparently now a Robocop movie. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, he was supposed to be doing an alien movie that got axed. And um, it, it's one of the things that he says about CG is um, if you have a low budget or if your shot isn't... If you have a low budget or what you want to do is fairly complicated, add hard lighting. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look through my films and see how often it's like bright, sunny, harsh day. Um, it's easier. 
Right. Because if you have hard shadows, things automatically sit into the scene much better. Whereas if you have, you have soft shadowing um, and in games and things like that, what, you, what you would call like ambient occlusion, which is where something shadows on itself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, that stuff is really complicated to, to get right. And it's why you see uh, any, any shot where the lighting is high contrast. Um, going back to Jurassic Park, like the whole T-Rex sequence with the car looks fucking amazing it does it's really high contrast lighting there's there's highlights and then there's black and there's deep blues and there's all that kind of stuff um so it fits into that scene very 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 easily um and the parts where it doesn't fit in quite as well is like in the kitchen scene um where the velociraptors are moving Mm. around and the lighting is just not so harsh um yeah i mean you're also closer to them but it's it is it's quite interesting yeah right that's that's i mean i figure that there's also a lot of learning that happens in these kind of films like you know when when i can't try to think of the actual era but like mu- music videos were an amazing stage for experimentation and i feel like that transitioned at a certain point and and films like this were started becoming like fuck it like like i was telling you there's that shot where by the way, spoilers. <laughs> I mean, like, like who hasn't like 17, okay. 18 years ago, whatever. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the original Mummy film from nineteen ninety nine, then okay, all right. Well, actually, I think there was like an old. There's like a Mummy film, I think, from like the forties or something. Oh, really? And there's yeah. also now a new yeah. one. But anyway, but there's that shot where um, uh, the Pharaoh's wife that could only be should not be touched by anyone else or whatever. You know where her her dead body's laying there, and she's not it's not a corpse, but this is where the the spirit is coming yeah, in yeah. right before like the the, the procedure fails. Um, where I was telling you that there's that shot, it you can see that they the way they shot it was like we're not gonna we might not put CGI in this, shoot it as if that's not gonna happen, uh, and then they did this motion, and she wakes up at the right time, and the story is told. But then you could tell they went, okay, you know what? We have a little bit more budget. Let's just make this little wispy thing come around. And I wonder... I I like, think I think it's actually... I Honestly, I think it's more shot like, let's make this as easy as possible for the CG team. Yeah. Because okay. I just can't imagine a scene like that. I can't imagine a director being allowed to shoot that at that time without storyboards that show the ghost. Do you uh, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and then going, hey, I want to put this stuff... It Like... So phenomenally expensive. Well, especially back then. And we remember our guesses were way off. $80 million. Yeah, for, my God. Like, we were thinking, what, 40-ish. That's, that means, like, if it was made today, that's like a two hundred over $200 million film. Not in currency. So, again, when we talk about how... Because budgets have blown out totally disproportionate to inflation. Mm. Um, it's like you see Spielberg go off and make some big-ass movie and it's still like, oh, he made it for $100 million. But a different director makes a similar sort of film and it's like $300 million. You're like, yeah, yeah. why is Actors. that costing so much money? Like, Actors No, not even time. anymore. It's like, um, um, you know, like for the first Avengers film, uh, and that was a $220 million or $50 million budget, I think. Um, aside from... Robert Downey Jr., who had, like, a crazy contract from the start, but, like, you know, he... I think he got paid $150 million in total from the film. Um, Including all the... Yeah, because of he, cause he has gross. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, Fucking hell. But the second highest paid person was Scarlett Johansson, and she got $4 million. And then below that, <laughs> below that, the highest paid people were... Oh, that's so fucked. The, below that, yeah, the highest paid people were um, uh, Chris Evans and... 
uh, I can't remember, two of them got paid the same and they were 500 grand each. So it's not wow. some... Yeah, like the Star Wars, you know, the Star Wars cast from new Star Wars movies, they get paid like $150,000 per film. It's not some obscene amount of money. And keep it bearing in mind that like on top of that, you're signing your likeness rights away and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's why it's um, not like you could do 10 ads and you'd be getting a similar pay. Yeah, you're not getting the same career profile. But, no. but I mean, that's the thing. It's like... It's got to be more than that. It's got to be like... The, well, then I guess imagine there's like post the film's released and there's obviously marketing and there's going to be like... There's got to be a bunch of other financial incentives, like promotional work that you do. Mostly to shit. do with career advancement. Okay. It really is. Wow. They don't get paid like... Yeah, like I said, Chris Evans, he got paid... I totally want to look this up only because... Not because I don't believe you, but because I want to know how much the cast of Star Wars got paid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Ridley and, uh, the other ones like the, um, Harrison Ford and, um, oh yeah, well that's different. They got right? paid like $5 million each. Or yeah. Something yeah. Like yeah. Um, but the new two, yeah, they got paid like well, cause I know, somewhere I, between a hundred and 180,000. I know that like, um, I understand that the reason why Harrison Ford gets paid so much for a much less screen time than is because like you value it in fandom, right? You know who Harrison Ford is and he, he's going to bring in this much money regardless and that's why he gets paid that much but it's still oh, Carrie Fisher apparently got paid bu- like, like bucket loads oh really well. good yeah. she deserves oh yeah um, how much did the <laughs> cast of Star well you'd have to look up Force Awakens yeah yeah of course I, I understand that they'd probably get paid more um, oh, I just mean if you say Star Wars it's just gonna give you like 30 40 years worth of pay it's true and it'd probably be pittance. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, amazingly, Harrison Ford uh, is reported to have made $34 million from for The Force Awakens, plus 0.5% of the film's profits. Doesn't say net or gross. Um, probably net. Doesn't matter. Like, that's still even no, 34 it does. million. Net, you don't say it. I just mean to say that $34 million oh, yeah. is already like... Yeah, it's a bit of money. That's more than the $5 million <laughs> that you're thinking, you know. Um, I mean, th- this is like... I don't know how legit this website is. Because um, it's like called surepay.com. Uh, newcomers made somewhere between 65000 and 125000 for their roles in Episode 7. Carrie Fisher made a little more than $2 million. Uh, and director J.J. Abrams made $6.8 million. Jesus. A lot of the money goes into the film these days. Yeah, yeah, no, that surprised me. I mean, I understand Harrison Ford pulled a big... like. I mean, mind you, he, he pulled, what, five times greater than Carrie Fisher just then. But um, uh, That is a suspiciously high number, though. Yeah, I wonder if there's some kind of, you know, inaccuracy. Like, I believe, like, $35 million after any type of box office sharing, but that's an obscenely high number for... But then again, it's like the film doesn't work without him. That's true. And he and his agent would have known that. And he and he absolutely 100% didn't want to come back. So um, <laughs> he said in numerous interviews, yeah, like, yeah. they're like, so where did you come back? He's like, money. Yeah. The offer was like crazy. So it's probably true. Yeah, there you go. In that ballpark. Anyway. So that's kind of what we're saying about this the, the Mummy film is that like... I mean, Brendan Fraser wasn't in his peak, I guess. Or maybe he was. He... No, I'm pretty sure that's the film that, like, um, was part of, like, launching him. Yeah, I think so. I feel like that's what made him famous. 
Um, so Rachel Weiss wasn't really anyone, no. and the others were. Uh, so we're talking on a global stage, by the way. Rachel mm. Weiss was um, already a relatively known actor in Britain, I thought, and John Hanna was definitely a famous actor in the mm. UK. That's who plays her brother. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, yeah. So that, I guess you're in this instance, you're saying that it's it's unusual that the money wasn't put into uh, that. So much of the money was put into the film. Because in today's day, that's what they do a lot more than I imagined, which is also what I find really interesting. Because it's like when we talk about these big Hollywood films, and you think about how much CGI works goes into them, uh, you know, like I would, I always thought that it would cost less to build something digitally today in today's day and age than it would have back, like even stages and stuff. I imagine. I mean, is that wrong? Am I thinking like incorrectly about the, the amount that it costs to make a CGI world? And- I think, I don't know. I've, I've, I think a lot of it comes down to just really, um, from what I understand, a lot of it really does come down to a lot of producer nonsense. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that. A producer lives in a very real world kind of place. And this is from like VFX industry people I know and talking to them about the real cost of things and all that kind of stuff. And when, you know, when I've had chats with them, it's like you, they go, no, don't build that set. That costs this much money. Mm. Whereas people know that they can take the piss with the CG people, you know, they can brief them for X. Right. And then they can push them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that we said that we wanted six buildings in the shot, but it can be eighty-six. You know, yeah, like that. There, there's and it would come down to the to the supplier of the VFX, but a lot of them will comply because otherwise you just lose the job, right? Mm. So, um, especially because of the world, how global it is. Yeah, you could just call up. You know, was it Weta or whatever? And just be like, hey guys, could you guys do it? Because this other company that doesn't want to do it won't do it, and so. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's quite it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm sure wet is really expensive these days cuz mm. now they have like <laughs> they've done so many incredible things. I think that they wouldn't be that cheap, but yeah. Yeah, I I I think that it's uh it's such a how long is a piece of string thing. I mean, that's something that we've encountered working with visual effects like when we go to one of the, you know, visual effects people we use and uh just everything has to be so specific. Mm. Um, and that's the thing. I don't really get how, um, there's, there's just such a, now when you see it, it's like they might build the floor of the set and then everything else is, yeah, is like CG and you just go, how can that be more efficient than that? And it's like, I don't think that it is. I really don't think it is more cost effective. I think it's actually more cost effective I think it works out to be more cost effective, but in terms of real cost, judging by how screwed over VFX houses get, I don't think that it is. Yeah. You know? And um, also you're losing your kind of actors' interaction with things. Your And the other thing I was, that made me think is that even if it is more expensive to do it in post and do it in CG, I wonder if there's an, an element of like, yeah, but we get to choose and finesse the post. If a set designer builds a, sta- a set, then it's done. We film it and that's yeah. game over. So that's what George Lucas's approach was for the prequels. Like that's not a made up, like that's a thing that he talks about. Mm. Um, He talked for a very long time about why he liked CG and the fact that it was 
about the fact that um, bef- before CG, he always said my favourite part of um, filmmaking is post-production because that's where you have total control. Mm-hmm. Um, you can control anything. And then if CGI comes into it, you do have total control. You yeah. can change the colour of the carpet. You can change the colour of your actor's eyes. It all comes down to time and money. Yeah. But um, for this type of film, though, it's like... And that was the fun thing about watching The Mummy was... Like, you're sitting there and you're going, oh, my God, a set. Oh, my God, a set. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> there were so many sets in this movie. No wonder yeah. it cost so much freaking money. Like, it's, it's got so many different sets. Yeah. Um, And they mess a lot of them up with explosions <laughs> yeah. and stuff because stone sets on fire. Yeah, um, no, right. That's the best thing about that film. I love how many <laughs> things are flammable. <laughs> They're blowing up so many, like, foam things oh, that they set on fire all the time we should have done a bullet fiery car. robber because i wanted to do it like because there's so many dual wielding pistols i just i really want to know like i mean if they had eight shots each if they actually were counting i oh dude no way yeah that's yeah no, it's like, like is it that bad they're, they're machine guns those pistols oh yeah it's so good it's uh and it, earlier in the film i actually i'm not actually sure if they put caps in every gun that he fired because oh, there are no. bits where you just you can't even see that the like uh the bolts going back or uh oh, yeah, the slide is going back or anything it's just like and they're just like going ah throwing the sound yeah because yeah. it was like no one could foresee like high definition and blu-ray and all that kind of stuff as in the filmmakers but you also have a rule which i appreciate which is that you you know you shouldn't go frame by frame because that's no. that's, that's that's pulling away from like the film itself like it's designed to be watched did it work the first time you saw it in the cinema that's yeah. the that's the benchmark for whether or not something works yeah yeah that's right did did, did you notice it the first time when you saw it in the cinema no then right. it worked move on yeah. yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like you know i can watch Jurassic Park now and you know know where there's like all these sort of like stuff ups but like how many friggin times do you have to watch a movie to figure that and yes frame by frame you're cheating if you're pausing and if you're if you're advancing frame by frame then you're cheating yeah yeah it's too easy <laughs> you can always find something and because that's where they they hide that's the mirror yeah you know they're hiding all their shit by except in the film prisoners except in the film prisoners what didn't we spot something I feel like there was one thing in that movie where, like, yeah, but we just leave it. I don't think so. You're probably right. That movie was so intentional. That's what we're saying in that podcast. Yeah. It was so, you know, if you ever want to listen to that other podcast, anyone, it's uh, it's on Podbean. Podbean. FYI. Um, but yeah. Like the, the Mummy. Like the Mummy. Super intentional. It really, it was. <laughs> but it was super intentional, but also flashy. Because it was, that's the whole point of it. Like, everything about it was just stupid and ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Oh, they, that's right. That's the, the best way to describe this film. I mean, we, 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 we talked about technical. Let's just, just talk about the film itself. Because fuck it. Uh, the, I loved that bit where they, they're trying to convince the pilot to do, do the trip. Oh, it's like, yeah. what is this about? It's like, oh, we're saving a girl and ki- killing a villain and uh, saving the world. It's like, I'm in. <laughs> like, there's the movie. That's that. That's the elevator pitch. <laughs> no, and then what, what? What's and the landscape is also the elevator pitch. Yeah, you show the show you the, the producer. Look, we're in a desert, and there's some English dude there, and we got an era of what these people look like. And then he says, "We saved the girl, we saved the world, we kill the the bad guys." Okay, cool. 
Here's $80 million. Enjoy. <laughs> here's, here's $80 million. Oh, as long as you don't hire too expensive of actors. Because <laughs> yeah. this is going to cost us a lot of money to do CGI. Because we haven't figured out the CGI thing yet. <laughs> no, you can't have Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, wait another like 20 years and then I'll give you Tom Cruise. And it will be a better movie. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it. Did you watch it? Yeah. Was it really bad? It breaks the worst. It commits the worst crime in cinema. It's boring. Okay, I was going to say, come on, this has got to be something amazing. Like, it's, yeah, I, uh, it's, also it doesn't make any sense. And um, they have these weird sort of sections throughout it where they're trying to like Brendan Fraser up um, mm. Tom Cruise and he just doesn't. Up. He, he, no, he's not that, he's not a funny action star. He, he's he's he, a serious one, right? That's uh, I, I think he can be like Ethan Hunt has really funny moments and that's the thing, but they don't, but they were just like, it felt like they changed up that film like 50 times during the, like there must've been recutting and re-editing. And- but I also think that Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible, there are funny moments, but he's not a funny character. No, Brendan no. Fraser he, is a funny he guy. Is, but it's like, they make, they like, you go in and you go, oh, okay, so this is a serious tone mummy movie. And then it'll be like 40 minutes in and then suddenly he says something and you sort of go... What? That's, yeah. That's so out of character. What? That's out of the tone of this movie. I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. that the version of that trailer where they forgot to put all the sound in, um, that's far more entertaining than the film itself. Oh. Um, it's sad. I mean, that's a ton of money to go on a film yeah. that wasn't very good. Um, uh, it could have been sweet. And also, like, uh, Russell Crowe is in it as Dr. Jekyll. Oh, uh, really? And Mr. Hyde. And it's like... Yeah, you know, whatever. I'll watch anything with Russell Crowe. <laughs> I love Russell Crowe. I do like him as an actor, but I haven't seen enough of his movies. Oh, he's good. He's crazy. Talented. Oh, was it Too Tender Humor? That was probably the last one I watched with him. Really? Yeah, that's how long it's It's like been. eight years old. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean by I haven't, but I love that film. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Though he does sound like a mumbler, which I, I, oh, a sound yeah. recorder said really... I'm not a big Get fan. Get over it. Do your job more let's, good. Let's talk about a podcast. I'm like, come on, man. Projection, clarity. What is dialogue? Dialogue's about like storytelling. Fuck. Anyway, I'm not. He might not be like that. It might just be. It's just as a comedy. Maybe it was trend. the direction that he was given. That's that. That's the case. I've had. I've seen. I've been working on a TV show, and I've had the director go up to the actor and be like, "Could you like." Gritty up the voice and like lower, like, like get quieter. I'm still there again. <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah. Just like, see, uh, I told you I was going to make a really, really good hospital drama. <laughs> you have cancer. <laughs> but it's all right. I will save you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the mummy. <laughs> yeah. Always on tangents. Uh, the performances are just absolutely enormous yeah and and the way that every character is introduced is just perfect like um the way brenton fraser is introduced is like that line you know the the dolly shot going down the row of guys after the commander has run off yeah yeah and then it arrives on him and benny and it's like what happens he holds his ground and he's in command now and then benny runs you're like and and he doesn't he stays and he shoots shoots and then he f- slowly falls back and you go Totally understand whose character is. Yeah. True. And then you go to Rachel Weiss's character and, you know, she's obviously in a library, so she's a book nerd. And then she does something... Clumsy. She does something clumsy. Uh, and... But she still manages to sort of, like, ice skate her way 
to being safe kind of thing. Um, yeah, they never explained how she got down that ladder. No. I just realised that. She yeah. Just appears it, off the ladder. She hits the... Th- no, no, she goes down with the first bookshelf. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right, right. And then it goes around and it's just like... And that's the thing. It's like, who sets up bookshelves like that? And that's what I love about this movie. It's just so, like, just have fun. Yeah. Stop exactly. thinking. Because bookshelves <laughs> wouldn't even fall over. Like, maybe if you're lucky, one of them would. But, like, really, the, you'd need a lot of weight to knock down a bookshelf. Yeah, like you'd need a lot more than, like, the probably, like, 60 kilos that she weighs. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Ridiculous. But that's the... That's the, that's the, the gag. Film. That's right. <laughs> and I wonder if the, like... The damsel in distress and the, the like, uh, borderline sexual harassment uh, with the, her just being kissed and then her falling in love with him with it and can't help but think about that kiss. I wonder if that's a satire or if that's, like, a, a time thing. I'm curious. I think it's so big and silly that they... The only part that, to me, is, like, now looking back problematic is really the stuff near the end. The two bits where it's like, oh, Colonel. Like those two bits, she says it on the sand, and then she says it again down below when she hears a gunshot, and it's like, uh. whereas every point up to that, she stands her ground and like shows. Like, there's a great bit where say, oh, what could a woman possibly know? Like, that's a that's in terms of dialogue transition, it goes, what could a woman possibly know? And then it cuts immediately to her explaining Knowing. everything to everyone. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's a feminist beat in in the film, and and. It's really the back end of the film is where it sort of becomes uh, becomes a slave to the to the to the action mm-hmm. um, instead of the film doesn't stop being awesome and fun. It's just that it doesn't uh, try to not do that. But having said that, who makes the decision to go with the mummy to risk being captured, right? She does True. that. That's her decision. Um, and that's that's what she wants to do in the belief that she'll get saved by uh, primarily O'Connell. I don't think she has very much hope of her brother helping. No. But... Um, I mean, obviously, all this can be argued because, like, you can, you can tear it down even further. It's like, yes, she's the one that sacrificed herself, but she's also... She's also the femme fatale, and she's she plays that role. Oh, she's totally that. He. Uh, absolutely, but uh no, I don't think so because she's never she's 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 never um like all of her sort of like screamy, scared moments aren't to do with the mummy. They're to do with um the the female mummy. Yep. Right, and to, that does make a difference. Like she's not there standing screaming like. You know, King Kong's about to eat her, um, mm. being like, "Oh my God, save me, please!" Like it's not like that. It's it's like um, it's it's this thing to do with love and and re- like taking her body and becoming it, and it's a woman that's doing that to her. So I think I think there is this sort of thing, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if the people who are writing it did think about that. I I find it hard to think that someone would forget that they were put doing a damsel in distress thing mm. um because they totally do like they do but i think that there are things that undermine the annoyingness and uh, predictability of it from in in the terms of um not giving her agency mm-hmm. no i get you mean and i and I, that's why she gives herself up i think i still believe it's a transition in time when it comes to uh like 
we're not certainly not there in the night in the late nineties to be able to be like, yeah, because once again, it's it's if a film has to make reference to, uh, to to feminine tropes, so obviously like this does, it's you know it's a sign of the times, not necessarily the film itself, but of the times being like, yeah, if we have to make poke fun of how ridiculous of a statement it is to say a woman doesn't know anything, and then we have to do the exact contrast, it's saying something, and the fact that we have to say that is a sign that that there's already trouble you know on the in around the horizon whether the, the writers wrote it like that or not whether they wrote it in the capacity of like women uh, are pretty yeah, dumb except mean, for like, this one but that's you know. just the whole of human history like no no you're right no, I, and i'm not <laughs> there's not like I'm playing with that i know that i know the times i know like that you know feminism has obviously come a long way in the last 10 years not even the last 20 when this film was around, you know, like, and it still needs to come a long way. I'm not suggesting that it's done or there yet. Um, but I just mean to say that I think, I, I do wonder the intentions behind the writing uh, and where it lands, because you make some good points that it does, she does kind of take charge of her character. She's kind of, she's bestowed, this character's bestowed upon her, where she's already kind of uh, inevitably going to be falling into her, into the, the trap that is, you know, the the tropes that is the the female, but she's in a, a satire uh, based um, project. So so like the, the film itself is a satire on genre about saving the damsel in distress, um, and she does excel in things that she wouldn't otherwise. Uh, so there's like there's an argument to be made on both ends of that spectrum. Ah, uh, but I, I I think the thing is, do they do the like. Um, trope stuff, yes. Do I think they get away with it? Also, yes. Okay. Because of the context in which they put it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, which is just, it's, it's just not serious enough for no. for it to be like. It's not serious enough, and they give her so many moments in the film where the character um, takes agency over her situation. situation. Uh, yeah, and I, so I, I think that's why it works. Also, you know, despite it being a good gig and all that kind of stuff, like, I don't know, I just can't imagine Rachel Weiss getting involved in something that she didn't respect. Mm-hmm. No, I guess I you. find that pretty... I mean, it, is, it could be a cash grab. Yeah, I mean, that's the only the only thing I could possibly think of. Not that, by the way, that's not like saying a negative thing about an actor. Like, that's, no, no, that's of like, course. you got to make your dollars. Yeah, that's, that's right. And it's a launch pad and it's all these fantastic. Yeah, why do you think a lot of people who do like st- stereotypical terrorist, uh, you know, roles in films yeah. as like a... Maybe, oh, there like are way more like Arab things like that are like problematic in that oh, film yeah. than anything yeah. to do with women. There's uh and but that's the thing that's annoying is like that that guy's character you know the the Egyptian guy that they take along and he gets like uh eaten first by oh, the, the first scarab. The the fact Oh you know, yeah yeah. Yeah like it's just uh, he's funny and he's disgusting and that's what makes it okay like it it a beat that you don't care about when he dies and all that yeah. kind of stuff but it's like it's a bit annoying that he's like the only arab guy in that group but um oh no there's a lot of things wrong in that like i mean it i mean it, once again it's a thing of a time it's a thing of like an era of the way that we describe it it's a satire in itself but it's, it's not just that it's the 90s is that they're telling a story from the 30s as well yeah that's right so you, it's like this double layered thing where it makes it quite complicated to see 
where the prejudice comes from. Yeah. And I <laughs> um, that's why I would never argue to say that this film is like totally fucked up and, no. you know, like, because it is displaying a, an era of time. It's not, it's never, never sold as a film to try to, you know, yeah. break barriers. It's it's not like, um, you've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. It's not um, whatever his name is. Oh. The Asian character in that, right? It's that the buck was... teeth. And he's also like a really. He was a really well-known, famous um Actor in the 60s, yeah. That was... It's driving me insane who it was. Anyway. Uh, you keep talking, um, I'll look it up. And, um, yeah, like, not, there's not a single frame of that in this film, you yeah, know? Yeah, That is, like, that is literally, we can't give that... We can't give an Asian person a job because we don't hire Asian people. And then on top of that, we're going to depict them in a really disgusting and horrifically racist way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, th- I think that that's just, like, that's where there's a different, <laughs> there's a nice 30 year difference uh, there or almost 40 year difference that I think that um, demonstrates a lot of growth uh, in Hollywood, but Mickey Rooney, Rooney, isn't it? Rooney. Yeah. Mickey yeah, Rooney. Yeah. That's right. Holy shit. Like, I, what else? In an otherwise fucking great film. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I, every I, time I go to watch it, I'm like, uh, that's right. <laughs> mind you, I could, barely understand him in that film like but then again like what oh my god he was a knight in the museum um i guess i don't know him as well as i thought um yeah that was a particularly horrifically racist moment and you know like i said before this movie is about fun it's about being silly and it's not trying to break conventions which at the time it's trying to up them you know it's trying to do conventions over the top even further. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, it, there's there's just nothing in it that is remotely meant to be taken seriously. So I think that I think that, that is tone-wise. Um, the, thing that, the thing I really love about the film is particularly from Rachel Weisz, who is just a brilliant actor. Um, seeing her do something so fun is just something I, every time I watch that film, like, she just, like, fucking leaps out of the screen. Mm. Um She's so good in it. And Brenda, I know that Brenda Fraser is a star show and he does do that as well. But it's like, you know, when you've watched enough films with Rachel Weisz, you just go, it's so awesome to just see her just kind of burst out in something so ridiculous. Yeah, that's um, true. And, and fun. And she looks like she's having fun. And she doesn't, there's, there's, that's why I think, that's why I think she seems to just come off as that, like, you know, having fun with it kind of approach to the role because there is she doesn't at any point pull her punches in her performance mm. and uh like she, I, I think she didn't come back for the third one right because i think at that stage in her career she was just like no <laughs> yeah. um i don't have to make uh I, my understanding is the third movie was terrible um i never saw it is that the one with the rocks is that the one we had that no that's the second one the that's... third one's in like china or singapore or something like that oh, God. um so yeah, I don't. I, I think it's a different mummy, or it's like a Chinese mummy, or something like that. I think they were just sort of grasping at straws at that point. But um, yeah, it flopped massively, from what I understand. And yeah, she's not in it. Um, no, but I get what you're saying. It is a fun role, and you know, to be honest, we can dissect a lot of films at that time in in that kind of way. And that's not the point. the The point is, is like the film itself. Yes, it's important to know that these things happened and the, the the thing of the times, and you can dissect them, and you can, 
you can you know cover them up by you know by explaining them or putting them into groups of satire but the the crux of the film is this is just an entertaining stupid film yep which doesn't need to be dissected yeah kind of and it's not on the same league as but it's kind of kind of a little bit reminds me of ready player one yeah where it's just yeah. A, like it's not supposed to be it's a fun movie stop analyzing yeah stop yeah. stop trying to tear it to pieces because you can and you we could go into so much detail about it but then you've missed the point You've missed the point, and also there are films to actually do that too. Yeah. There are like real films that are trying to break barriers or trying to make a statement about something that just fall on their face rather than this film, which is clearly not trying to do that shit. It does what it is, it does what it's set out to do brilliantly, Mm. you know, in the same way that uh, a lot of Michael Bay films set out what they aim to do and execute them brilliantly. It's that is independent of how good a film is this. Yeah. Um, there's a separate category for me in my sort of like film watching life. Uh, I have a separate category for, you know, how much was I entertained versus how good a film was this? Mm-hmm. So, you know, earlier you were asking me like about Elysium mm-hmm. and I was you were like, oh, should we watch Elysium? And I was like, oh, well, the thing is, and the, what I was going to say is, you know, <laughs> it's not a very good film. It's most people would probably say it's not even a good film, but, um, I like it a lot. I find it really entertaining. It's one of those games that you... <laughs> it's one of those films that you watch and you go, man, this guy plays a lot of video games. Yep. And um, it's... But it does that really well. But it's just, like, not that good a film because uh, it's not trying to be a brilliant film. It's trying to be a, an execution of, like, a really high-concept idea you know, it's a vehicle for Neil Blomkamp to put a guy in an exosuit and, uh, you know, make him go, like, kick ass and blow people up. Mm-hmm. That's what that film is. And um, uh, and then there's Edge of Tomorrow. I haven't seen Elysium, but Edge of Tomorrow was good. Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Well, the only thing they have in common is exosuits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't seen this. this, this. Yeah. Elysium is about, um, is about, like, rich and poor, wealth disparity. Oh, right. Um, like, uh, that's what it's about in terms of what the themes are. Whereas, like, what happens in the film is just like, yeah, let's go kick some ass. So it's kind of like that. It's like if you if you're over analyzing that film and its representation of poor and rich and this and that, it's like not. That's the setting. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the setting. Uh, so I think the like you can overanalyze any film that is. Uh, obviously not meant for scrutiny. So let's break away from that. Do you have a favorite moment? What's your favorite moment in that in in the in mummy? the mummy? Yeah. Um. I can, well, let me go first. Uh, not because I. This is a moment that really comes to mind that I really enjoyed, and that was what I described before. That's like that 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 three quarters of the way through the film, they literally just they do one shot. <laughs> there's three bits bits of dialogue, and it literally is just this is the film. Yeah. Have fun. That's and a great... Let's yeah. move on to the next. That's probably one of my favorite moments because it's just... Like, if you've been taking this film seriously up until that point, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Because that's... They're literally telling you how stupid this film is by doing that, you know? Um, that's probably one of my favorite moments. Benny! <laughs> looks to me you're on the wrong side of the river! <laughs> I That's... 
It's that always that. makes me laugh. Yeah, every time. yeah, that was pretty funny. That's like one of my favorite bits. And yet they get there to the same time. Like there's that whole moment where they, like, <laughs> you know, and you can see the disappointment on Brendan Fraser's face. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Well, I, that's that magic of filmmaking thing, right? It's like they get there and they're ready to, to go and then they look to their right and it's like, oh, you guys here as well. It's like you would have seen 50 horses oh, walking yeah. for like an hour and from your right. Like, uh, yeah, you, like, they wouldn't just suddenly get there. Yeah. It's like, no, it's because they were out of shot. Yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> that's, you know, they had another love, moment like that, when, like that when Brendan Fraser, like right at the beginning of the thing, when he like he's running around getting away from those dudes that are, uh, that are there to protect the site and whatever. And he gets to the, the the statue, and then suddenly those guys just like point the guns and then they run off. Yeah, and it's so funny because like literally like it's like doo -doo 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 -doo. dead silence. I'm like, really? Do these horses just like take off and launch from the ground silently and fly off into it's the distance? It's about perspective. It's a sound from his perspective. Yeah, let's let's break down this film more. Let's do that <laughs> thing that we said that we're trying not to do. So you think is that one of the your favorite moments? It's funny because I don't, um, that's a great action sequence, but I don't, I think it, that is the closest thing in that film to sort of like a slowing of the pacing down. It gets a bit slow before that action sequence mm -hmm. on the boat. So I'm not crazy about that bit, but I just love that, that, um, that line is just, it's, it summarizes perfectly his relationship with this Benny guy. Like, yeah, such a piece of shit. And you should, the guy that should have been shot in the face, like eight times and he would have like kill one person save a thousand kind of shit absolutely i um yeah i i <sighs> i i i like the um uh and yes oh, sorry also the uh the bit where she's up against the wall um, and this is another one of those perspective moments, actually, where she's up against the wall when the mummy's like first been unleashed and he's just gotten his eyes and she's standing there staring at him and Brendan Fraser runs up to her and like grabs her arm and is like, come on, let's go. And then he looks and the mummy is like, just to his left. How do you not see it? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, like the mummy's there off to his left and, uh, he looks at it and the mummy's like, Rah! and then Brendan Fraser goes, Rah! Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, that was pretty good. There is just so many like comedy beats in that in that movie yeah so you don't have a favorite no on, honestly there's nothing in that film that just makes me like go that that is actually my favorite second of all. i just yeah there's just so many little beats that to me are just as amusing as the next one what about a favorite character on i would say yeah, rachel weiser's character to be honest like she's, i she's pretty good i kind of liked um final act is just not enough of her but yeah yeah I liked um, the pilot. Oh yeah, he is really he's funny. So, like in, in the same way that I think you appreciate the Rachel's character, I think the pilot's character was just so like he was just so stupid, so like utterly not. It's like it's a uh, it's a play on this. Um, you watch Blackadder? Yes. Yeah. So the fourth season where they're mm. in World War One. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a, like it's a play on the um the the naive British soldier stereotype from World War One, which is, you know, they went off to war because they were told it was gonna be a good adventure and they'd be home before Christmas. Yes. And um For then a it spot was, of tea. Yeah, and there was like then it was this carnage. Yeah. And so it's this like when you take the piss out of that it becomes this very funny character because um warfare um 
warfare for the British was quite a routine thing where they just went out and won old chap. Yeah. So um, that that is sort of that very still in the colonialist um, viewpoint stereotype of a of a British character. I mean, like you know, up until the I think the middle of the eighteen hundreds or something, the way that you became an officer in the British military was you bought the rank. Oh. You know, um, and the United States had a similar system, um, or at least in the Civil War. But um, you you essentially like, bought your rank. You know, mm. it's like, oh, yes, I'll pay for my commission, and now I shall be an officer. So it was just a very, like, let's go off and have an adventure kind of thing. And that's why that character is just so fucking hilarious. And they just get rid of him. They, he didn't need to die in that plane crash. They just, like, and he's in the, in the ship, and it's like, oh, see you later, buddy. But he did. He needed to go out in a blaze of glory. He, no, he did, but you didn't need to as well. Like it's so. He's that's why he was nuts. so. That's right. That's why <laughs> it's fun. It's just ridiculous and stupid, and yeah, I liked his little cameo. I, out of all the, like, especially all the like quicker performances, he was probably one of my favorites. Like the the side characters, he was definitely the American guys. I just they were so pl- they plateaued for me so hard. They were just they were the exact same character from when they were. Oh, they were there poker. to die. Yeah, they were, and they, and but they were there to die, and they were there too long. Yeah, like they needed to be there for less time if they were going to die. I wanted them to die sooner. <laughs> um, not that I don't like awful, Americans. Awful person. Yeah, I am. Oh, I that's that's a great moment. Yeah. When that's like, it's a, no offense. I'm taking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good moment. So I, they, yeah, they, I guess it's kind of scattered with those good moments. I'm trying to think, is there any other like? It's just a, it's a really it is a bizarre film to try to like look back on it's it kind of reminds me of um a little bit like watching an avengers film where you know you, you finish it and you're like what what happened i don't i, don't, I can't focus on any of it i can't there were there weren't very many moments that were like grand and like that really stood out and uh like look at the way that we're talking about like particular moments in the film it's just like these little tiny you know, like snippets rather than these big epic moments. Whilst if you're, you know, like if you're talking about Batman, you'd be talking about sequences that were like amazing rather uh, than... Come on, the sandstorm sequence, that's badass. Oh, I don't know. When they're flying in a plane and getting away from the sandstorm. <laughs> that made me laugh. And I get it because I understand that I'm getting too realistic into it. But it was funny to me because I just feel like the guys were going in fucking circles. Like, it, I mean, I guess that maybe the sandstorm, maybe there was logic in the in the actual direction of that, but the way that it shot and was cut together made it seem like they're heading to the goal, and then they're turning around, and then they're heading, and they got a sandstorm, and they turn back around, they get eaten by sandstorm and crash, and I'm like, why didn't they just keep going to yeah, the goal? Definitely thinking way too much. Oh, I am way too much. To this it. is a plane that gets caught in sand. Yeah, that well, the whole yeah, the, what was written in the script there plane crashes yeah you know they're, they're flying and they need to catch up with the sand yeah. dude and they need to get their you know equally George as fast Lucas script writing moment like in revenge of, uh revenge of the sith where it's like uh uh blah 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 blah, blah, blah. they fight <laughs> that's a 20 minute sequence in the film they fight all right well then i guess yeah i mean what else is there to say about this film is this, is this fun and honestly if you have if you're some weirdo that has not seen this film uh, for which you should be judged. Mm. Uh, just watch it. It's ridiculous. It's so silly. It's yeah. It's have stupid fun. fun. 
Don't take it too seriously. No, don't take it seriously at all. all. Yeah. <laughs> Just sit don't there do and do what laugh. I'm doing. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's what it was made for. That's a great thing. That's why I didn't like it when I was a kid. I took it seriously. That's why I made like 200 million in the box office or whatever. 400. Was it? 400 million. Over 400 million dollars against an 80 million dollar budget. That's insane that's, for that time. Yeah, that's doing quite well. Yeah. That's yeah. that's why they made like Three more in the franchise. Yeah, that's right. On that one budget of like, oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, watch this film and keep listening to all the podcasts. Or do what you want. Or do yeah, that's right. Or just don't. Don't listen to, don't, don't listen to me. But that's I'm in control of this, so I'll just cut it out. Damn it. <laughs> or maybe I'll just make you say some shit. I don't know. I'll see if I can be bothered. Like put my voice backwards or something. No, no, just take, I'll take words out and add oh, them in to make right, me whatever right. I want. Beautiful geniuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, thanks for potting with me. You're welcome, pod friend. Thank you. This is an ending transmission. <laughs> this has been BBC News. Good night and farewell.